God damn it, really? Hey, everybody, welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. Welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. We live to talk another day. Did you have a close call with death? Uh, Always. Every day is a close call with death. Really? I mean, think about how dangerous it is simply just to drive your car somewhere. Think about how miraculous it is that you don't die in between point A and point B every time. You know what's miraculous? So I have a six-year-old daughter, and she is reckless, dude. She is reckless. And I'm like, how is this girl going to make it to my age, late 30s, by acting this recklessly? It's crazy. You don't remember how reckless you were. As a as a young adult, until you see one of your children acting that way, and you're like, "Oh yeah, I remember that," because you just get more and more careful as you get older. Yeah, and more and more aware of how dangerous life is. Yeah, I mean, we had that experience. We took Nova to um, I don't even know what to call it. It was called Rock Mountain, and it's like just kind of this mountain. And when you get to the top of it, every, you can see like seven states from that's how far you can see. Whatever. And you're just walking through all these little crooks and crannies and shit. And uh, there's not a lot of rails or anything. They just, I guess they just are really trusting that people are not going to kill themselves. So we're walking. Nova's like kind of behind us. or I don't know how where she was. She just jumps up on the side. And all like we had to grab her. She almost fell off down into like a fucking cave. Yeah. Where she would have died. For sure died. And you know, you, you do that thing that I remember my parents doing it to me where you're so relieved and scared that, that your kid almost died that you're like mad. You know, you're like, we were yeah. like really like, no, you not do that. Don't you know, do that. Like, it like freaked her out. And we're like, good, be freaked out. Yeah. Don't ever fucking do that again. And dude, I had to like, there was like a little bench, like a little sitting area. And I had to just like pause the day and just fucking sit there with my head in my hands thinking like, oh my God, dude. My well, kid almost jumped into this fucking cave. I mean, at this point, if something happens to my kid, I mean, might as well just happen to me. I'm definitely in the... She might be in the dining car, but I'm in the caboose. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm not staying... I'm not sticking around. What, am I going to stick around? Really? Well, the good news about the miracle that we've been talking about, the miracle of life, which I'm guessing, I guess, to my own point, the fact that it happens so often means it's not quite miraculous, but... People don't really die that often in these scenarios. It's kind of a freak thing. And the chances of Nova actually jumping into a cave or Scarlet's uh, recklessness actually being fatal are pretty low. And that's that's comforting. Right, because we do have primary primary code. The primary code of the human being is survive at all costs. Survive at all costs. So right. even though you're doing reckless things, there is a primary override. Absolutely. And I think when you're doing those reckless things, even if she wouldn't be able to describe it, what you are doing also is just pressing up and finding the boundaries. Right. You're just finding the edges of what's possible. Right. If you're Eric Clapton's kid, you're pressing up and then there's nothing there and then you're falling out of a window and dying. Yeah. He got a good song out of it though. Did he even, I don't even think he wrote that song. He co-wrote Tears in Heaven. He co-wrote it? He co-wrote it, yeah. All right, so here now we're going to do the thing that people love in I'm okay, you're okay, I'm not okay, you're not okay, where we look up uh, stuff on the internet. I like looking up stuff when I know I'm right, so while you're looking it up, I'm going to get lounge. 
I'm going to get lounge. It says it was written by Eric Clapton and Will Jennings. Yeah. All right. Songwriters, Eric Clapton, Will Jennings. Who's Will Jennings, by the way? Let's see what. Let's see what else this motherfucker's written. I guarantee he's written some shit. Oh my god, dude! He wrote "Ark of a Diver," Steve Winwood. Without "Ark of a Diver," nobody's ever heard of Steve Winwood because that spark of a high heeled boy or whatever is a piece of shit. Okay. He wrote "Taking Back the Night" and "Back in the High Life," both Steve Winwood ultra smashes. "Higher Love," the finer things. Give me a higher love. That's a good song. Uh, he wrote Street Life. Hey, man, I'm living this street life. He wrote three albums for B.B. King. Can we stop talking about the songs he's written? I don't care. I, if I, I don't think our audience cares. I don't care what this guy wrote. I just hate him because I didn't write these songs. Anyways, he wrote a lot of songs and he had a lot of hits. Tears in Heaven is an amazing song, dude. He wrote Roll With It. That was a number one U.S. hit for Steve Winwood. How about Steve Winwood just writing on the backs of other writers? What do you mean writing on the backs of other writers? Other people wrote the songs, and then he wrote their songs all the way to superstardom. Yeah, it's a tale old as time. Elvis never wrote a single fucking song. Dude, I'm about to get lounged. Dude, why not? Why not? I don't know why. I I don't know why. I I told myself, too, I was going to start lounging, and then I couldn't do it. And now now I'm lounged. Not feel better. I'm okay starting upright and kind of just seeing what the flavor is and then uh, making a, 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 a game time decision. Sometimes if you start in the lounge position, uh, it's hard to get up from a lounge if you need to. Here's what I wish I had with my lounge position that I'm in right now. Here's my wish for my lounge position. Ice fucking cold pineapple chunks. Just wow. freshly, like, and not from a fucking can. Don't no. can me that Del Monte can and a can opener and expect me to be happy about it. No. Sit there in a fucking sand dress and fucking grab a machete and chop that shit down into chunks and make sure that you pulled that pineapple out of an ice cold whatever it was whatever was holding it so that when i put these in my mouth i'm like oh these are just slightly less cold than pure ice i love a good cold pineapple chunk i'm with you man that would be fucking delicious now here's what i find crazy my kids both both my kids don't like pineapple at all Hmm. what's that it may be an overwhelming taste for a child i could see the taste of a pineapple being overwhelming too much my my daughter's like it's too much flavor yeah, exactly that's what it is they'll grow into it but my son's 16 he still doesn't like it well i don't know what to say to that i don't either let me tell you what i saw on the airplane the other day and i thought of you because you've been talking about this for a couple of years okay and uh i finally had you know some things you put off just because you almost are waiting for an excuse to watch them but you know you'd need to and you know you're probably gonna like it and and the and- plane is no better place Plane's great that. for that. Yeah. Plane's great for that. I had an aisle to myself. It was nice. And I'm watching this thing that I will reveal to you momentarily. Zip. And just crying on the plane. Right. Okay. So it doesn't happen a lot. American Utopia. Yeah. Beautiful. I didn't know what to expect. I don't know that many talking heads. This is David Burns, American Utopia. I like him a lot. Like I have the talking heads greatest hits and I like it. And she said, and burning down the house and all that stuff. And I love the uh, 
Days Go By song. The song like is like a strange, strange box you peer into and see something new every time. And I don't know how he did that. And I think I have fear of music. I have a few of the records. I know that they're an important band. So I looked at the song list for this and I'm like, oh, don't recognize any of these songs. What's right. this going to be? And from the very beginning, you were just on a fucking ride. He starts with a song called Here It Is. And he's holding like a brain. And the song is he's just describing what the parts of the brain are. And he's slowly un- unveiling what this show is. His band is slowly creeping in. It's visually very strange and awesome. And the songs f- are just blew me away, dude. Yeah, it's fantastic. He's 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 in my top five. I really got it. I really got like all the stuff that you've always... I, I think I got it before, but it really hit home. I bought the soundtrack. I've been listening to it a lot. I mean, the song Everybody's Coming to My House. And yeah, I mean, it's just so beautiful and amazing that he wrote all that and nothing sounds like that yeah he's a smart dude he's smart and he's creative and he's got that new york sensibility like he could have just played those songs and they'd be fine but no he had to put on a show he had to make it theatric yeah it's like a broadway thing almost that's not a i word, mean they, they the do it they do it on broadway theatric is not a word i think theatric is a word theatrical uh, theatric is just me getting lazy and going i don't need that al for you to know what i meant i don't know one man might call it lazy not me i call it efficient you put the abreve on it i like the fact that you added an extra syllable inefficient efficient dude that's not being efficient that's being efficient less it may not being efficient but it is being sexy dude how about being less than efficient boo but it's it seems like if you were less efficient you'd be more efficient but you're actually being less efficient by being less efficient yeah dude when you're lounging the possibilities of thought and thought play really there are no bounds there are no boundaries when you're lounging you immediately become a philosophy professor at a reputable community college dude somebody can say the word window and game over that's four hours if you're in a lounge. Now, if you're sitting bolt straight up and somebody says window, you go double pane or single pane. And the discussion's over. When you're lounging, you're, you, you see a bay window. You see a possibility. You see a portal. You see a doorway. Jesus, dude. When, you, when you're lounging and somebody says window, immediately you're, you go to, okay, do we start with string theory or <laughs> do we... Do we saddle up to the, like, Aesop's fables? Yeah, yeah. Are we in the quantum realm? Or when I close my eyes, being 65 million years of go- in the past, I'm with the dinosaurs <laughs> contemplating the, the lowly pterodactyl. Dude, are we macro or are we macaroni? You don't know. When you're lounge, dude, it doesn't matter. And all they said was window. All they said was window. But now, bolt upright, you're single pane, double pane, period. Done. There's no more to discuss. What else is there? There is nothing. Basically, it's like when your anus is tight. Mm. You're not going to get anything out of it or in it. No. But when it's loose, when you're in that fucking lounge loose, 
there's no telling what will come out of that bitch or go in it. I mean, the world, yeah, the world waits for your loose butt. What's so weird is that that lounge position is available to all human beings all the time and no one takes advantage of it except for a few people in Puerto Rico. They're really, and, and the Bahamas, and the Bahamas, of course, anywhere in that area, anywhere where there's blue, blue, blue ocean, not blue, blue, but blue, blue, blue. Mm-hmm. That's really the only place only place that really truly takes advantage of the lounge position on the reg granted you go into a hospital and there's some people in a lounge position but that's not a voluntary lounge they're they're being tied to a gurney dude no, nothing worse than a forced lounge no i mean really i can't think of anything worse maybe some canned pineapple oh don't even get me going but dude me a forced lounge where you're eating canned pineapple versus a voluntary lounge with ice cold Freshly macheted pine apples. We call it the cash lounge. Ugh. Dude, that's like the difference between when there's no light present, when there's no absolutely zero light beams anywhere to be found versus basically being one inch from the surface of the fucking sun. <laughs> And you're welcome, by the way, audience. Because when we're lounged, <laughs> dude, I looked up from my lounge. I looked up from the lounge and looked into your eyes to see if there was any response, and there was absolutely none. Your expression did not change at all. Your pupils did not dilate or undilate. I just finished my thing, and you were as calm as the water in a fucking pond inside a fucking mile deep tunnel untouched by unsoiled actually unsullied by human touch i was like is that a person's face or is that a painting from the baroque period i was gonna say or or is it the the chiseled marbled david because i'm often compared to the chiseled michelangelo david from where i'm looking you're one of the mid-life portraits of Leonardo da Vinci. I was going to ask if it's a choice between macheted, fresh pineapple, cold as an ice cube. Yeah. So that's, let's say that's off the table. Okay, well, hold on, hold on. I just got to get my brain wrapped around this thought. So that's out. You're saying that's not a possibility. So would you rather have the Del Monte wet can? Yeah, a wet can. We call it wet can in the biz. Or... No pineapple at all. Hmm. Hmm. I can see an argument. That's such that's dude. That's like basically that's such a close call. That's if you fired two bullets from the same gun at the exact same time and then did a photo finish of it and they were both in the same position crossing the tape. Mm -hmm. It's almost impossible to make a choice. Wet can or no pine. I don't think there's a way to actually make that call. Look, if I was if I was a piece of shit, if I was just a human being that didn't give a fuck about the truth, like if I just looked at the truth like it was a goddamn piece of gum on the road that I'm trying not to step on, I would say wet can or just say no pine. But that's not who I am. And you know that. You're not that guy. I'm not that guy. I look at truth and I go... What else is there? What else is there? 
And the answer, of course, is nothing. There's truth, and then there's absolutely nothing. So it can't be answered. Find me a scientist, and he'll agree. The question that I posed to you was a test of your um, of your integrity, yeah. and you passed. By yeah, the way, got, you passed. Yeah, it, it was a, congratulations. An, it was either an A or an F. There was no D, no B, no C. The theme of the episode is either pitch black or next to the sun. Right. You're either passing or you're failing. Right. Now, life is filled with nuance, and life exists in the black and, and the in the gray, not in the black and white. But in this particular combo, it's a law of identity. Wait. It's A or it's B. Yeah, it is. But it is A or B. Now, yeah. granted, you step back a little bit, and you're going to see, oh, that does look like a chartreuse, or that does look like a faded perp or something. Oh, that does look like a sandy taupe. But when you get up close, like we do, we don't, dude, what do we do? What do we do? We get up close. We look at shit for reals. Well, we squeegee our third eye. Dude, when we get up close, guess what there isn't? A fucking faded taupe. It's fucking this or it's that. that. There's no warm sepia. I mean, the black sheep said it. Back in the 90s, they said, you can get with this or you can get with that. You can get with this, but this is where it's at. Mm. <sighs> Period. Well, we got an email that I wanted to read. Okay. Dude, before we get into this email, though, my son, he goes, what do you guys talk about on the podcast? And... I played him the beginning of the last podcast that we did, and we were laughing real hard. I don't even remember what was on the last podcast. I don't remember either. But we were both laughing real hard. And for me and my son to be laughing real hard is always a good thing. Adam Gwillen writes, hey, Bob and Clint, I wanted to email and tell you I took my 13-year-old son, Herc, which is short for Hercules, to the early Bob Schneider show in Houston on Saturday. It was Herc's first concert he's ever attended, and he had a great time. You really entertained him, and he couldn't stop laughing at your jokes. He says, you really stumped him with the song Hands. He kept asking what was the meaning of the song, but I thought it was great when he asked about the line, she's got the hands of my 16th summer, taking chances underneath the cover. His 13-year-old innocence shined there. I had to try and explain that to him it's something he will learn with age. He also took your Stevie Ray Vaughan bit seriously, and he said if Bob practiced more, he could be a better guitar player and more people would like him. <laughs> I told him Bob knows and is okay with not being known as the best guitar player. We like him because he's a great songwriter and entertainer. He said people like him because he's good looking. If he was ugly, if he was an ugly blob, nobody would care. Herc also said, I thought he was old like you, dad, but Bob looks like he's in his 30s. Thanks for the great show and leaving a lasting impression on my son. He's an inspiring guitar player that's lost his desire lately, and I'm hoping you send him a little inspiration again. Adam G. So there's some f- pretty funny and and cute messages from Adam's son, Herc, who's 13. All right. Well, first of all, Herc, you're welcome. Uh, that's a sweet, that's a sweet email. I, I had, I had some funny things I was going to say that I'm not going to say. I'm just going to say that's sweet. And that's cool that you guys got to go to that show together and that your son actually had a good time. Cause I see kids that age in the audience all the time that have been dragged there by their parents and they usually are not having a good time. And I will point it out. And then they'll have a little bit of a good time because I've, you know, 
I've pointed them out, but I, I, I did not see Herc. Had I seen him, I would have probably pointed the spotlight in his direction because I like seeing young kids at shows. I know you like that. And uh, I know you like, you know, it makes you think of your kids and I'm the same way. But my, my intuition, having played quite a few shows with you, is that it is an adult show. Oh, yeah. Well, especially a show like that show that they went to. It's an adult show. Now, right. even the most adult shows I do. No, that's not true. I was going to say they're not. They're not as crazy as they used to be. But every once in a while, I will I will jump off the grid <laughs> and uh, I will say some real shit. <laughs> Jumping off the grid. And uh, kids, kids like it. Kids like it when I say real shit. Now, their parents sometimes don't. Why do you think that is? I don't know. Because probably when they were kids, their parents, like they said the word darn and their parents like washed out their mouth with soap or something. They had some terrible experience and now they're trying to bring it into now. When in reality, a word is a word is a word. So, hey, get over it. How about washing kids' mouths out with soap? I was always threatened with it, but it never happened. I think it happened to me once. I think my wow. mom did it to me once. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I think it happened once. I don't know. My mom didn't dish out the punishment, so... I don't really remember. I feel like that happened, but who knows? Mostly my mom, when she tried to deal out the punishment, usually it was very benign and like we'd be laughing the whole time. Now, my dad, on the other hand, we were scared. Really? How about you? What'd you have when you were a kid? Always threatened with a belt, but never, I think maybe happened one time. My, I remember distinctly my mom spanking me and I was laughing and she started laughing right. too because it was so ineffectual. Yeah. Right. But I do remember my dad hit me one or, once or twice and it was really scary because he was a big ass man. Yeah. And uh, I can't imagine doing it to my kid. No. But you know, parents, I mean, parents feel like they have no power. I, I get it. It's scary when a parent starts to realize that they're losing that power. It only happened to me when I started getting a little older and I think they could sense that they didn't have much power anymore. My grandmother would make us pick out a switch. She, we, she had switches. She had a little pot in front of her house that had these like really thin switches and she would make you go pick out your own switch. And then that was some old school shit that happened when I was a little younger, but maybe just like three times. I do feel like if you raise a child with the idea that if you do something wrong, you're going to be physically overpowered. That's just teaching them to like one day physically overpower you that's i just i've never had that dynamic with my son and he's getting to the point i mean a year from now he'll be bigger than me he'll be stronger than me but i don't think we're ever going to have that thing where it's going to come to a physical altercation now we're going to have a, we're going to disagree about something whatever that's just part of growing up but we're not going to have that thing that i had even with my dad where at some point we got into a little bit of a shoving match right you know what age was that when I, what age was that for you like 18 19 about the time i was his size yeah and he told me to do something and i was like mm, that ain't happening what do we want to do now but both of us are pussies so it didn't it wasn't a big deal that's got to be such a weird thing like i don't talk to my dad any longer i imagine i i've have i've had fantasies of like if he was trying to physically or or uh, forcibly come back into my life, I would have to get physical. But he's such a coward too. He only hits women. I got to tell you something in the secret weekly that happened with my dad. Okay. That's amazing. 
it's got to be a weird thing for a father and a son. I, I don't have a son. I, likely, I'm not going to. When you start to cross those paths, you know, the the Oedipal thing was more about your son growing up and like, you know, stealing your stealing your wife. That's a, such a fascinating, fascinating thing, man. You take the Oedipal story out of it, but just like your son, your when your son can start competing for the same females in your group, there's a rub there. Well, the other th- Prim- yeah. primally speaking, not in our. I mean, it's one world. thing if you, yeah, but it's one thing if you have your kid when you're 15, and so when you're 30 and he's 15, and now you guys are competing, I can see that. Yeah, but when there's a 40 year difference between you and your son, and you're competing for the same women, uh, what? Yeah, but most animals don't know what 40 means. We made all that well, up. We're we're human animals, and we know what the difference is. Well, we made we pretend up, we don't. yeah we made up a thing. We just made up a thing about it. But animals don't know that. Do you think that the person who made up age was in a lounge position at the time? Do you think everything that's actually lasted and means anything? Do you think any of it was not done in a lounge position? Let me tell you who liked to lounge. I'm just going to give you a few names, and you can fill in the blanks. Albert. Albert Einstein, numero uno. Pablo. Pablo Picasso, numero two. Adolf. (laughs) Adolf, the guy that invented Heinz ketchup. Adolf Heinz. Did you think I was going to say something else? Nope. No, Adolf Heinz invented Heinz ketchup, dude. That's why we have the modern day ketchup. Look, without lounge, you don't have E equals MC squared. Without lounge, you don't have the second law of thermodynamics. Dude, you don't have a fucking beautiful sauce that you can put on your... Uh, fried potato strips. When that apple fell from the tree and Isaac Newton was outside, probably jerking off into the wind. Dude, you know all he did was jerk off into the wind. <laughs> That's all anyone did forever. But when the apple fell, dude, for a hundred years, he was lounging. It was called the jerk off period. All people did for a hundred years was jerk off into the wind. Dude, it was not a good time to be walking around. <laughs> no, dude, you don't want to be downwind. No, from the you don't want to be downwind from anybody during that period. But anyways, yeah, the the apple fell. And he was in the lounge position. Dude, he was in the lounge position because he had just finished doing what they did back then. I think we're going to go proverbially do that in the Secret Weekly. Not for real, just proverbially, which means we're going to keep lounging no, and we're going to come up dude, with some brilliant ideas. We're, here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to go to the Secret Weekly and proverbially jack off into the wind. That we're definitely not going to do. If you're wondering, hmm, I wonder what they do in the Secret Weekly, just know for a fact, we've never done that and we won't start. Hey, I want to say this too about the Secret Weekly. Thank you to one of our listeners who got the um, the RSS feed for the Secret Weekly. Here's what that means for all you people out there. If you join the Patreon and you get the Secret Weekly, now it shows up on your normal podcast app and it just says the Secret Weekly. It just, how does it do that magically somehow? Well, once you once you become a patron, first of all, you get a bunch of shit. You get a couple of songs that me and Bob wrote. You get a bunch of my demos. You get Bob's cover of 1999. How do people join Patreon, by the way? It's com slash the three letters I-O-K. You get to support the show. It's super easy. How much does it cost? Does it cost like $10 a, a week or what? You could do five bucks a month or 10 bucks a month. So There's wait, wait tiers. so it's like a dollar and a quarter a week? Exactly. It's super affordable. So the, so these shows, you're basically, it's like 50 cents a show. Sure. And uh, when you sign up, it'll give you a link. And all you do is click this RSS feed link, which I, I get it to me. I didn't even know what any of that meant, but it was super easy. You just click this link and it asks you, do you want to open this, the secret weekly with your 
iTunes or whatever your podcast app is, it'll come up. I use a third-party app called Overcast, and when I did it, Overcast came right up. And now, when I look at all my podcasts, The Secret Weekly is right there with all of them, so you don't have to worry about going to patreon.com. It's really cool. So I can do that myself if I'm uh, on my phone. Yes, you can. Can you send me the link? Yes, I can. Cool. And we're going to kick it now to The Secret Weekly, where Bob's going to tell me something about his dad that I don't know what it is. So leave us the review. Tell your buddies about us. We'll see you next time. Peace. Bye.